The British GT Podcast is a storm-fixing creative and RPS-driven media production for motorsport.radio. You can find us on Twitter at BritGTPodcast. Welcome to the British GT Podcast. This is the first episode and we will be covering all things British GT this season. I'm your host, Sarah Smith. And I'm Nick Smith, the resident British GT geek. So we'll be looking at everything coming up for the new season. For our first episode, uh, we will be looking at a little bit of a recap of last year and then what we can expect for this year. So the British GT this year is the Intelligent Money British GT 2020 season and the first thing of note is that it, there is actually a sponsor on here where we've previously not had any for a bit. Any comments on that Nick? Just that it's a very good thing. It was 2015 that the deal with previous tyre supplier Avon ended and since then there's been no title sponsor. Now the championship has been okay with that. Um, because obviously they get a lot of money in entry fees and there are other sponsors. But it is always good when you have a title sponsor on your championship. There was no lack of stability, but it makes it look more stable. So before we start looking into the coming season, let's have a quick recap on last season. Um, Just tell us a little bit about the winners, whether any particular surprises and any repeats that we can expect. Well, of course, people straight away go to the the winners of the previous championships. And our winners last year in GT3 were the TF Sport car number 47. Now, that car was driven by Graham Davidson and Johnny Adam. Johnny Adam also won the Alan Simonson Award, uh, which was a memorial award for the uh, driver that used to race in the championship that passed away back in 2013. Um, And that's for basically fighting spirit. But it was a very close fought thing. It went down to the the, the final laps of the final race. And it went down to one of the GT3 rivals having contact with a GT4 car. And that was what swayed it. And uh, in the end, a battle in the stewards room because one of the uh, champion challengers came into contact with a GT3 car, uh, another GT3 car, and that was um, deemed to be a bit naughty, so the TF Sport got the win. Second in the championship was one of the Barwell Motorsport Lamborghinis. Uh, This was Sam DeHaan and Johnny Cocker. Now, we have no Johnny Cocker this year, but we do have Sam DeHaan, and he's changed both manufacturers and teams. And then finally, third in the championship, and this was remarkable, given the start that they had to the season, was the Balfe Motorsport McLaren 720S. Sean Balfe and Rob Bell, both pretty handy peddlers, but they had the Alton Park from hell. The car ran pretty much okay through Saturday, but come Sunday, it had a massive electrical problem, and it didn't get out for either race, so they started the championship potentially 50 points down and they fought their way back through the latter part of the season to be in a position where they could have won the title at the final race now in gt4 it's a um, a, a similar story in that we have a tf sport car at the top of the championship the overall winners in gt4 were tom canning and ash hand 
in the 97 Aston Martin from TF Sport. Now, Tom Canning remains in the championship this year. Ash Hand has moved on. The second-placed car was a multi-batic motorsports Ford Mustang, and that was Scott Maxwell and Sebastian Prio. Anybody that's hung around motorsport in the past 10 years or so will know the name Prio. In fact, anybody that's hung around motorsport in the past 20 years because Andy Prio, Ford factory driver extraordinaire, BMW factory driver extraordinaire, his son, Sebastian, uh, was in that car, and they that, that they took it quite close in the end as well. And then we had HHC Motorsport third on the, uh, on the, on the championship tally, Dean McDonald and Callum Poynton. And again, this was quite surprising because HHC first got their McLarens at the start of the season. They'd switched to a new car, but they were quick right out of the box. And we expect to see that again this year with all these McLarens being very quick out of the box. We'll come on to that in a little bit, but it's great to have that recap of last year. Um, so moving forwards into this year, we have had, now had the full season entry list um, and media day was this Tuesday, which you went to. Do you want to talk us through a bit about what you got up to on your day and what were your initial impressions of the cars? Well, we arrived at media day. It was held at Snetterton this year, returned to Snetterton for the first time in about five years. It had been at Donington Park for a while. So we got there, and at 9 o'clock-ish, the track action started. There was quite a good fan turnout as well for Media Day. They opened it up to the fans, free access for any fans that could get there. And, of course, we weren't going to get thousands through the door because it was a work day. But we did have a a respectable number of people just coming to take a butcher's at the new cars. Hmm. The big news from Media Day was the announcement of the full-season entry list. And that was released to us with 35 cars on it, slightly down on on the previous year, but with a record equaling number of GT3 cars. Walking down the pit lane, we had about half the cars there. And there were some things which hadn't changed and some things which had. TF Sport were pretty much the same as last year in terms of their look, apart from one car. And I'm sure when we get into the entry list, we'll discuss the number seven car in more detail. Um, other cars on the entry for the media day, we had two of the three Mercedes there. Uh, we had two of the four um, Lamborghinis. But because testing early in March in England, probably not much fun in terms of getting usable data for the season. Some of the big names weren't there. So we've got two new McLarens that are turning up this year in GT3. They were off testing in Europe because they're new to the cars. They need reliable running where they're going to get data. So they've gone off to where they can get more reliable weather. Likewise, Barwell Motorsport, like I said, runner-up in the championship last year, they've opted to go off testing. So they did their announcement, um, their media day announcement, from a circuit, I think it was in Spain, possibly Jarma, but I don't know exactly which circuit they were at. GT4 was pretty much representative of the way the GT4 field is on the entry list, by which I mean we had a couple of Aston, we had a couple of Aston Martins, uh, a couple of Mustangs, and the world supply of McLarens. Um, not that I'm arguing, I do like a nice McLaren, but we're, we are very well stocked with McLarens for this year. Every car was beautifully turned out, even the ones that hadn't had their new liveries fitted for this year, 
they'd taken the time to present the cars very well for media day and who did you get to speak on there? I've heard a couple of snippets um, so far from kind of listening through to the recordings that you've done, but tell us a little bit. Well, just as a lot of the teams have got new equipment, I had new equipment for the first time this year, and I had a fantastic chat with Scott Mulvan, who has graduated from GT4 to GT3. Now, unfortunately, you can't hear that because I hadn't quite figured out how to use the dictaphone. So I sat there and thought I'd recorded a wonderful conversation with him about how he's moved up to the new car. They were driving the car for the first time, really. They'd done tests to make sure they could get comfortable in it and, and, and it would be a good car to race for the year. Mm. But they'd never actually sort of got down to how do we make this car fast? How do we extract the speed from it? And it was their first time. Um, now, I've always gotten very well with, with, with Scott. He's always got quite a lot to say. And he was very complimentary about the new car and very excited about the move up to GT3. I also had some time to speak with defending champion Johnny Adam uh, about him and his new um, his new co-driver. I was quite surprised to find out, despite the fact I've been covering the championship for a decade now, um, I was quite surprised to find out that this was his fifth co-driver in nine years. Hmm. So there's a little bit about that. And then... We've also found out at Media Day that we're getting new tyres this year in both classes. And Johnny had some very good things to say about how those tyres will perform over the course of the season. Um, I did uh, also get a chance to speak with, with one of our lady racers. We've got two women in the field this year, which is a first for us. We've only ever had one woman in the field before, <coughs> either Anna Waleska or, or, or Jamie Chadwick. Uh, but we now have two, and one of them is Mia Fluitt. She's come for a full season this year, and I spoke to her a bit about what she had been doing and how excited she is to be in the in the British GT Championship for her first full season. Brilliant. So we've um, touched on the fact that the full season entry list has now been released and that there are less entries than last year, which was um, an all-time high of 39. Um, now, that was very much a conscious choice, wasn't it? It was places like Silverstone and Spa and Donington Park, 39, 40 cars, absolutely fine. I mean, you look at Silverstone, Silverstone's hosted the largest ever grid of cars last year in the UK when we had 99 cars take the start of a 24-hour race. Mm. So putting 40 cars on the grid at Silverstone, nobody's going to bat an eyelid at that. The problem that we have, and it's a very good problem to have, we've got such a variety of racetracks in the championship. And circuits like Alton Park and Brands Hatch, these circuits are many, many years old. And MSV that owns both venues do invest in their their facilities. But there's only so much you can do, and the pit lane's only so long. So when we had the 39 cars for the full season last year, and bear in mind two of the cars that we had didn't make it to Alton Park, mm. because that, basically because they hadn't been delivered yet. Um, some of the deals came together so late. Um, but we still had a number of cars, including some GT3 cars, operating from awnings in the paddock because there weren't enough pit garages to go around. So the organisers, the SRO, have taken the conscious decision this year to reduce the entry slightly. It's a slightly smaller, but still very well formed, very quality entry. I don't think the racing is going to suffer any. Mm. 
So let's look at breaking this down then. First of all, by car, we have already mentioned uh, the large amount of McLarens and looking at the GT4 lineup, uh, it's actually half the stack. It is. The McLaren has always been a popular car in, in GT4. I was quite surprised to see how many of them we had this year given that there are two main championships that are fought for in GT4, which is the overall and the Pro-Am. And Aston Martin took both of them last year. Mm. But obviously the teams, they're better with figuring out the cars than I am. As I I always say, those who can do, those who can't take photos of it. Um, And they've seen something in the McLaren, which really uh, really does appeal to them. So we've got in here, we've got, one, two, three, four, five, five returning McLarens. And then we've got another additional three that are new cars for this year, uh, which is the, the Mia Fluid Ewan Hankey Balf car. That did a couple of one-off rounds last year, but didn't do a full season. And then we've got the two cars from Optimum Motorsport. Um, now, any keen-eared listeners that uh, listen to the podcast and know what happened last year will know that last year Optimum Motorsport were running Aston Martins. So they haven't, I believe, sold those cars, but they put them to one side. They've bought two McLarens because they've also switched to McLaren for their GT3 effort. Um, And you see there, there, there is quite a smattering of McLaren preferred drivers throughout the field as a result of having that many McLarens in the pack. Looking at GT4 then, on the the other cars that kind of round it out, we've got the BMW, Mustangs, Audi, and the Aston Martin, and then we've got the Toyota as well. Um, So tell us a bit about what we can expect in terms of how they're going to shape up. Well, the Ford Mustang, like I said, it was fighting for the championship to the end last year. Uh, Now, these two cars that we have this year, the two Academy cars, are actually the two chassis that Multimatic ran last year. Multimatic have sold those cars to Academy Motorsport and are helping to run the cars. Now, in terms of driver lineup, we've got Will Moore and Matt Nickel Jones in those two 62 car. And then we've got Jordan Albert and a yet to be announced driver in the number 61. Last year, the number 15 was on it all the time. It had a steady driver lineup of Scott Maxwell and Seb Prio. And they were fighting all the way to the end. The number 19 car, some days it was there, some days it it may as well have been racing elsewhere. Because it just, they had a turnover of drivers. Mm. The drivers that they've got here, unless, unless they put me in the spare seat, then I see these cars fighting somewhere near the front throughout the season. Uh, in terms of the other cars that we've got going on here, the two TF Sport Aston Martins. Conor O'Brien, Patrick Kibble, both known quantities, both um, familiar with the car and with the series. They should be quick from the off. Jamie Caroline and Daniel Vaughan don't know it as uh, as well. They've just tested. They haven't actually raced the car in anger as far as I'm aware. So it'll take them a little bit longer to get up to speed. But it's TF Sport. They won both championships last year. So they're not exactly be running around like a GT5 car at the back of the pack. The BMWs, Century Motorsport, um, we've got one driver liner confirmed there of Andrew Gordon Colebrook and Ben Hurst. That's a Silver Cup entry, and we'll probably talk more about the, the, the Silver and Pro-Am classes, etc. later on. Um, but 
they'll have white penalties and they'll have pit stop time penalties, but they'll be somewhere near, some somewhere near all the way through. The Audi R8 LMS of Stella Motorsport, you never write that car off because the last time I wrote that car off as, oh, it's not going to do anything, was round three of the championship last year. The car had turned up pretty much, it still had that new car smell. It was being run out of an awning in the paddock at, at Snetterton and it surprised us all by winning the race. Mm. And I think especially seeing as we don't really know anything other than which car it is and which team it's for, um, that's definitely a bit of a, a mystery quality at the moment. We'll find out more on that one on Sunday. Um, the team are doing their own launch event down at Cafe Machine in Coventry. So we'll find out more about that car. The one that really gets me excited is the number 23 car, and it's the one that we know absolutely nothing about. Uh, the Toyota GR Supra GT4 it hit on Friday. The news that this car was coming. Speedworks Motorsport have been running at the front in touring cars for a long time. And they ran at the front in British GT low these many moons ago in a Corvette. So they're not known for running the sort of thing that everybody else is having a go with. They try and bring something different to the party. Um, the Toyota GR Supra recently announced gt4 recently announced gt4 car there are six of them in the world mm. and we've got one and then we've got sam smelt and james kell near the drivers particularly slow i will be honest so provided the car's reliable and a first year brand new only six in the world gt4 car you can't be certain on that uh, but provided the car's reliable that's going to be very good uh, very interesting to watch and Speedworks, it's not going to be ugly either. Yeah, so so Speedworks are the kind of the new entry um, into GT4 this year, and we've got a lot of returning teams. We have got a few teams that haven't returned this year. Uh, we've touched on Multimatic um, linking through into Academy. We've also got a couple more not turning up. What do we know about that? Well, first of all, there are three teams that we've shown on the British GT website and on Wikipedia, wherever you go to find out what happened last year. The Well, two of them we don't expect to see on full season entry lists anyway. That's ERC Sport and Alfab Racing. They were single round entries, so we can discount them. The GT Marks car, which was a Porsche, the um, 718 Cayman GT4, that I was expecting to see this year. But it never really, it was a lovely car and it was brand new, but it never really looked in terms of pace like it belonged last year. And with the GT4 being compressed to make way for a larger GT3 field, it may just be that the organisers couldn't find a place for that car on the grid. Or it may be the team realised they need to take the car off to either GT Cup or Brick car and get a bit more experience with it. Mm. We, we won't get told this sort of thing. That sort of thing gets discussed behind closed doors. Um, but that car obviously hasn't returned. So that is Chris Carr and Dino Zamparelli, if I remember correctly, off the top of my head, who won't be back this year with the, with the Porsche. Track focused um, with the KTM. Uh, again, never really rose to prominence last year. It wasn't a particularly quick car. Uh, wasn't a particularly impressive driver lineup. They've they, they've either decided not to come back or been told they, they, there wasn't a space for them. And, and race performance uh, raced last year as well with a third Mustang, the Mustang, which wasn't running Multimatic colours. 
they had problems all year, and we can't really go into it. Though I understand there was politics in the background of that one, um, so it wasn't particularly a happy a happy year for them. I'm not surprised that they haven't decided to come back. Now there are two teams here, which I am surprised aren't here this year. Um, the Fox Motorsport Mercedes. I really miss that car because we don't actually have a Mercedes in GT4 anymore. Mm. And the Fox Motorsport car always looked good. It always sounded absolutely beautiful. And it was driven pretty well. It was a solid mid-pack car. The other team uh, which, we, which we haven't got this year is Invictus Games Racing. Now, people that don't know of this effort, you, you, you've heard the name. Of course, Invictus Games is, we're not allowed to call him Prince Harry anymore, are we? So, so it was just Harry's idea. Um, for a basically a Commonwealth Games or an Olympic Games for injured servicemen. Invictus Games Racing is motorsport for injured servicemen. Um, and they used a pair of Jaguar F-Type SVR GT4s, if I remember the name correctly, off the top of my head. Now, that was only a two-year deal to use those cars. So those cars are now being sold, um, and the team are deciding what they're going to do in the future it just depends what commercial opportunities come their way along with that generation amr super racing only did one round last year but those two teams are linked in that both are the brainchild of um of james holder the the man at the top of super dry the fashion brand um generation amr only did one round last year it was silverstone and that was because james holder wanted to drive We'll probably see him at Silverstone this year, but obviously no full season entry for that car. Yeah. And the only other one that's kind of missing from the GT4 lineup um, is Beach Dean, which they have an extra car into GT3, whereas last year they had one in each. Yeah. And I'm, again, I'm a little bit sad to see only two Aston Martins. Bear in mind, last year, Aston Martin was actually the most populous car in the field in GT4. But, if there's ever a reason to lose a GT4 car, I'll take losing the GT4 car to get another GT3. Seems fair. So we, we've spoken a little bit about uh, kind of some of the drivers uh, that are coming in. We do have quite a few new drivers to GT4 as well as some returning drivers either from last season or previous seasons. Uh, there's still quite a few TBAs in there as well. There are indeed. Um, HHC Motorsport have got two TBAs against their number 58 car. Um, that They were testing drivers on, on Tuesday at, at Snetterton. Um, so we don't expect that uh, to be TBA much longer. Um, the second Academy driver uh, for the number 61 car to, to sit with Jordan Albert. We understand that Jordan Albert's got a pretty good idea of who it's going to be. It's just not been announced yet. Mm. Um, the other TBAs we've got are Stella Motorsport. We've already discussed them. They're doing their launch thing down in Coventry at the weekend. And then Century Motorsport. All they've got to do for Century Motorsport is find either a bronze or a silver, a silver driver. Because at the end of the day, if they can't find two drivers with money to, to, to buy a drive in the number 43 car, then the team over team owner, Nathan Freak, he is a pretty handy peddler by himself. And so far in the time that I've been covering Sentry in this championship, he's always jumped in for at least one round. And he's done a, he did a few more than that last year. So 
it's commercial deals. It all depends when money turns up from sponsors, etc., etc., etc. But we'll have these blanks filled um, ahead of ahead of Alton Park. I'm sure of that. So we have mentioned a couple of the kind of new drivers uh, coming into GT4. Uh, Katie Milner has come up from GT5. She has indeed. She is now a um, a McLaren driver development program driver. Uh, one of two ladies, as I say, in the in in the championship this year, sharing with with Harry Hayek again. Both of these Tolman McLaren um, Tolman McLaren entries, McLaren driver development. So these are the guys and girls that McLaren are evaluating for their GT3 factory drivers in the future. And we've also got a few drivers that have come across from Europe, Asia, Australia, um, all over the shop, really. So what do you think we can expect from kind of that? It's always interesting to see these the, the, these drivers coming across. The drivers from Europe, I mean, there's there's a big GT4 scene in Europe. These guys are coming across and they are ready to go. Um, a lot of them have been been driving the cars that they've, they've come over here to race for quite a long time. Uh, for example, Alan Valiente and... Michael, I'm not going to try pronouncing his surname because I don't want to offend the chap, <laughs> um, in the number four car. Uh, both have raced in pure McLaren, uh, which is the single make racing series for those GT4 570Ss. Um, other, other people we've, we've got coming across. Um, I'm looking down the entry list here and I can't actually see many nationalities on it. So, um, I believe Gus Bowers is US. I... I, I believe so. Um, but again, GT4 quite popular in America, so he may have driven the cars before. Um, in GT4, really, it's it's less about their established performance. GT4 is where you come to start making your name in, in GT racing. It's not where you come because you've really already got a massive name in GT racing. You're listening to the British GT Podcast for all things British GT 2020 on Twitter at Brit GT Podcast. Moving kind of over towards the GT3 now, we have got a few drivers that have kind of moved up from GT4 last season. We have. So let's move on and talk about them. Indeed. So drivers that have moved up from GT4 last season, I can see we've got six of them on the on the gt3 entry list um the only one i believe that didn't take a championship last year is dean mcdonald oh no and nick jones and scott malvin they didn't take a championship last year but they won gt4 program the year before so we'll, we'll give them a slide on that one uh tom canning is were well, reigning gt4 outright champion uh he steps up with tf sport the team he won last year to the number one car alongside our GT3 champion, Graham Davidson. And then JRM Racing were very pleased to announce, or rather Kelvin Fletcher was rather pleased to announce on Saturday morning TV, that he and Martin Plowman were stepping up from the Aston Martin. They won the Pro-Am Championship in last year to a Pro-Am campaign in a Bentley for this year. So let's move on to kind of similar format GT3. Let's have a look at the cars first of all. So we've got a bit more of a balanced mix on here. Uh, we've got a few more Aston Martins, a couple less McLarens. <laughs> let's have a look at what models we've got in GT3 for this season. 
Right, well, looking at the list here, we've got an equal number of our two British, well, two of our three British favourites. Uh, we've got four McLarens and we've got four Aston Martins. Did you want to go with the uh, with, with the Aston Martin or the McLaren first? Uh, let's go with the Aston Martin. Oh, I do love it when people say that. Uh, Aston Martin then is represented by four of the Vantage, the V8 Vantage AMR GT3s. TF Sport have got their two cars back. And then Beached in AMR, as we previously said, have bought two. Now, the Beached in AMR cars, the 99 car, as last year, is Andrew Howard, who is the owner of Beached in Ice Cream. Um, and then Ross Gunn, who has been Andrew's go-to pro for, for, for quite a while. He is now an official Aston Martin factory driver. Now, last year, Ross shared the driving a bit with a chap called Valentin Hasclo. Again, forgive my pronunciation. My French is terrible. Uh, they won't be sort of sharing the pro seat in Andrew's car this year because Valentin's got one of his own. Uh, he's in the 98 with Jack Mitchell. Jack Mitchell is a bit of a refugee. He had a troubled season in the Century Motorsport BMWs last year. He's committed to the second car for, for Beach Dean AMR. Up at TF Sport, we've already said about Graham Davidson and Tom Canning, two champions sharing the number one car. The third champion in that lineup from British GT is Johnny Adam. He was Graham Davidson's professional driver last year in the 47 car, but he's been sent by Aston Martin to the number seven car this year. And the number seven car is quite exciting for, for us because it's the return of the Oman racing team to, to British GT, mm. a name not seen since 2016. And it comes, as it always does, with one Ahmed Al-Hati as the, as the AM driver in that car. Um, the very proud Amani racer who won his class in, in Blancpain Endurance in Europe last year has decided to come back to, to British GT and the car looks stunning. It's, it's absolutely beautiful in the new livery. And obviously he's picked the be the, the, what would appear to be the best team to, to, to go and race with because they've won the title twice in a row. So we have already covered the fact that Optimum have moved over to McLaren as well. So let's move on to the McLarens um, and the new entry into GT3 this year as well, 2Cs Motorsport. Well, what do we know about them? 2Cs uh, Motorsport are a new team, um, for, from what we understand. We haven't seen them elsewhere, but they've they've turned up equipped with, with two... McLaren 720S GT3s. Now, remember what I said in, in the review of last year. There was a McLaren 720S GT3 which missed the first round of the championship. In fact, the first two rounds of the championship and finished second mm. or third. It was it, it, it was right in the hunt at the end at the end of the year. So it's it's a quick car and it was pretty dominant towards the endurance part of last season. Um, so any team that's gone to the McLaren is that, that, that they've got a weapon that can win. We also need to look at other forms of, uh, of GT3 racing and the absolutely astonishing display that the McLaren 720S put on at Bathurst back at the start of the year when it was flying around the track. It absolutely made its mark in Australia. It's a very quick, very stable car and, if you're looking for an international circuit, which gives you a good reflection on the way British circuits go, Bathurst isn't a bad place to look. 
Mm. Um, in terms of their drivers, Dean McDonald has stepped up from GT4. It's it's time for him to move up. He's had he's had some good years in good, good years in GT4. Uh, if he's going to develop, he needs to move up to, to to a bigger challenge. And he's met by Angus Fender, who was racing again Century Motorsport last year um, in in one of the BMWs. Um, he did some GT4 and he did some GT3. But when he did GT3, he really impressed. He really did impress. So I expect the number nine car to be pretty swift and it's a silver cup entry. So the two drivers in that car are both silver graded. As I said, they get a little bit more weight. They get a little bit longer in the pit stops than, than the pro-am cars around. But we have now seen a silver cup entry win a race outright in British GT. So mm. you can't write off a silver, silver lineup. The second car, the number 10, is it's one of the few in fact i'm looking down the list here and it could be oh no we've got the tba right at the bottom yeah but it, we'll come to that of, in a bit <laughs> it's one of three tbas on the entry list is the as uh, as driver number two uh driver number one is isa al-khalifa part of the Bahraini royal family um so that's where the money for this effort is is coming from has done some pretty good things in porsche gt3 cup middle east uh now don't be confused by the gt3 there it isn't actually a gt3 car it's the porsche cup car but this is a logical step forward and racing in the uk uh it's the first time for isra i believe but there there's promising signs as I say, testing in Europe rather than coming to media day. So we don't actually know how well they're doing compared to the others, but they've got the right tools. They've got some decent people in there. Uh, all, all we don't really know is, is, is the quality of the team behind. Mm. And you don't, you don't get a two car entry to British G, to, to British GT. If you don't know which end of the spanner to hold. Yep. So also driving McLaren this season, we've got Balf Motorsport and Optimum. Yep. Balf Motorsport, optimum motorsport uh what we have here is we have a team that was fighting for the gt3 championship at the last round last year despite as i say having the alton park from hell same driver lineup sean balf rob bell they've been together for quite a while the car's bedded in now they've had their problems and like i say it was lightning quick towards the end of the season the only concern that i have with the balf motorsport car is they have been known to to fumble the ball slightly. If you look at Silverstone last year, they had a pit lane infringement, which resulted in a penalty. And the frustration of the penalty, they sped in pit lane, which resulted in another penalty. Um, it's these little mistakes that the drivers and the team need to hammer out and that uh, are basically giving them problems with, with with actually taking home a title but they've won titles before they've won in gt cup which is sort of like the step down from british gt the other car the optimum motorsport car like i say this one came at me completely from left field despite the fact i had spotted their aston martin for sale but, but at the end of the season it just it just hadn't clocked that they'd be changing brands and definitely hadn't clocked they'd be going to to, to mclaren but Optima Motorsport won the Silver Cup Championship last year, and they won the Silver Cup Championship around before the end of the around before the end of the series. It's a pro am lineup this time, but yep. it's Martin Berry and Nick Foster. 
not massive names over here, but absolutely huge names down under. They're not quite at the level of a Virgin Australia supercar driver in terms of popularity down there, but when it comes to GT racing, they're they're, they're sort of top draw. They're not going to be slow. Okay, so the other kind of lion's share in terms of cars um, in GTC this season is the Lamborghini. Yeah, Lamborghini, the Huracan GT3 Evo, second year for that car, as it is for every car in the field, I believe. Yeah, uh, except for one of the uh, two of the Mercedes, sorry, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, second year for those cars, the teams have got their heads around the Evo, uh, the Evolution upgrade kit for that one. Um, obviously, the big name in Lamborghini racing in British GT is and always will be Barwell Motorsport. At least until Barwell changed brands again. Um, they used to run BMWs. Um, Adam Ballon and Phil Keane returning. They were in the title hunt at the end of last year. They had a good season. Adam is now a second season GT3 driver um, because he upgraded from GT4 last year and was a little bit, I say a little bit reluctant, not reluctant, um, getting up to speed when he first started, but they won at Alton Park. So I can't even claim that, to be honest. Phil Keane is, I mean, he's the benchmark for British GT3. He's been in the series since the year dot. Um, he's always been quick. He's always been in with a chance at the title at the end of it, and he's always been unlucky. Mm. Um, now, I've got a lot of people that I really, really like throughout this field, but the one that I really want to see win the championship this, this year is Phil Keane, because I'm, quite frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm getting tired of every Donington Park writing, and Phil Keane did have a chance, but it went wrong. other lamborghinis that we've got is um wpi motorsport now they started last year as the only gtc entry in the field Mm. they had as you would expect a mid-pack race because they were faster than the gt4 cars because their car was faster they were slow in the gt3 cars because no matter how good you are you weren't keeping up with a gt3 car in a cup class porsche so Michael Igo, the, the man behind that, and the man behind WPI, they're a, a civil engineering and road manufacturing company when they're not racing, by the way. He decided that the best thing to do here was to buy a GT3 car. So come the second meeting, round three and four at Snetterton, the Porsche turned up and it looked like a Lamborghini and it was beautiful. And it went pretty well. In fact, it went so well that over the off-season... Lamborghini Squadra Corsa, uh, obviously the Lamborghini program for supporting factory teams, the sort of supporting customer teams with with factory resources, mm. uh, have tapped my Igo on the shoulder and said, we like what you're doing and we'd like to help. So they are now the second officially Lamborghini factory supported team on the grid after, after Barwell Motorsport. Yep. JMH Automotive, or JMH Auto as they're entered at, um, they did... Selected rounds last year, John Seal was joined by Jamie Stanley last year. They were doing GT Cup for the full season and dipped their toe in the British GT waters. This year they've turned up. They've got the Huracan Evo uh, car. I understand it's actually a brand new chassis for this year, so it's not the car that they raced last year, uh, from what I've been told. Driver lineup has changed. You've got Adam Hadfield, 
who is a, a little bit of an unknown quantity in um, in in the GT3 car. And then Jordan Witt, who's been well-known in the paddock. He's done GT3 before. He's done GT4 before. Um, and he has also been racing, I believe, in the Formula 3 Championship. I'm doing that off the top of my head. Um, that's the Pro-Am lineup. It's up against some very strong Pro-Am lineups. Do I think that John and Adam or, or Jordan are going to be a rival for the... Johnny Adams and Amit Arhartis or the Adam Balance and the Phil Keens? No, I don't. But I don't think they're going to embarrass themselves. So moving on then from Lamborghini, uh, we'll go to Mercedes next. They've got three cars in this year. They have indeed. And this is the only model or only manufacturer in the entire field that has two different cars. And the reason I say that is because Team ABBA Racing... They've been with us for a few years now. Um, it is Richard Neary as as always. But instead of Adam Christodoula, who raced with him last year, Sam Neary, his son, has uh, has joined him in the car for a pro-am for a pro-am effort this year. But that is the car that they raced last year. So that is the previous generation of Mercedes AMG GT3. Ram Racing were here last year with one car. They've expanded to a two-car effort, and they have bought the new Evo version of the Mercedes-AMG GT3. Hmm. We've got two of those cars, one for Ian Loggy, who was racing in the old car last year. He is joined by Yelma Berman. Uh, Yelma Berman, Belgian driver, he's been racing Mercedes factory drives for, for, for a very long time, and he is a very, very quick peddler. Um, I first encountered Yelma in, in, in the paddock back in 2011 or 2012. I can't remember which one it was in the FIA GT1 world championship. So he is a former world championship contender. He's not a slow driver and he's raced in British GT before he knows the circuits and he knows the Mercedes like the back of his hand. The other car which we have in uh, the other Mercedes that we have is the number 69 car. Anybody that follows British GT will tell me straight away, 69, that must be Sam Dehan because he's always raced as a 69 and it is Sam. He's joined by a Finnish driver, Patrick uh, Kujala. Did you tell me to pronounce it? Kujula. Uh, Kujula. Patrick Kujula. Um, now, Patrick has raced GT3 for quite a while. Um, yeah, Patrick was part of the team that won the Barcelona 24 hours last year with Barwell. So he is a handy GT3 driver. I believe he's got some experience with Mercedes as well. And Ram Racing are a properly professional outfit. Mm. The only thing I will say about the two Ram Racing cars is if you're at the track and you are watching them, sunglasses are required protective equipment because they are very bright. <laughs> We'll make a good note of that one. Um, so moving on then from the Mercedes, we'll hit the Bentleys next. Oh, I do love a good Bentley. And we have two Bentleys this year, same as we had last year. And it is the same two cars. It's the same two chassis, but it's a completely different driver lineup. Uh, as I mentioned before, Kelvin Fletcher and Martin Plowman, who won for Beach Dean in GT4, they won the Pro-Am class last year. They've decided to step up. They're in the number 11 Bentley 
from JRM Racing. JRM ran the Rick Parfit Jr. and Seb Morris effort last year. So they are they attract champions. They are a, a very, very strong team. Again, going back to what I said about Yelma Berman, I first encountered JRM Racing when they were racing in the GT1 World Championship. Mm. So they're, they're World Championship level teams. Um, the other team that has a Bentley is Team Parker Racing. They've been running Bentleys for quite a while now. They they obviously have the, the new Gen 2 Bentley, the car that made its debut last year. Nick Jones and Scott Malvin, they stepped up from GT4 uh, again. So they've left their Mercedes behind, come up to the Bentley. It looks absolutely beautiful, but they've not had much chance to actually drive the car. Um, so it is A, a step up, and B, a car with which they're not particularly familiar. I wouldn't expect brilliant stuff out of that car in the first couple of rounds. But knowing Nick and Scott, I wouldn't expect it to be too far off the pace by the mid-season. Mm. So that brings us with just two cars left um, in the GT3 lineup. So first off, we'll talk about the Porsche, and then we'll move on to the unknown quantity. Okay, the the Porsche. The, the thing to note about this Porsche, apart from the fact it's the only Porsche in the field, it is the latest spec of GT3R. Uh, so the GT the actual GT3, GT3 Garfen Porsche. It's run by GCAT Racing, which is pretty much eponymous, because one of the drivers is a chap called Greg Catton, GCAT. Uh, the other driver is Seamus Jennings. Now, this is the only Am-Am pairing in the field. So, I mean, straight away... Hand them the big pot. They've won their championship this year because there's nobody else fighting against them. <laughs> but they they ran the car for most of last year. Never really raised, rose to prominence. They they just sort of ran around at the back and, and seemed quite happy with that. And that was duplicated at media day. They were one of the first out on the circuit in the morning session. And they ran most of the morning session, but then come the afternoon session, it was a bit drizzly. The clouds were coming in. So they went out, did a couple of laps, and then it spent most of the two hour session on the air jacks on the pit lane. Mm. So they they sort of, they, they turned up, they showed their face. And I don't want to be derogatory about the effort that they did last year. And I don't want to be pessimistic about the effort they're going to put forward this year. But showing their face at media day was symbolic of showing their face last season. They 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 didn't really stand out. Okay, so we've got one more car um, in GT3, and anyone who's kind of seen the listing will see that it's TBA across the board. It is, and you will notice there is another car on the entry list in the GT4 section, which is TBA, TBA, and TBA for its class. And that's the Stellar Performance Audi A, uh, R8. Now, it is TBA and TBA and TBA. So we are not certain, I say with the fingers waggling, but this is one of the worst kept secrets in motorsport. Stellar Performance told us at Donington Park last year that they were buying a GT3 car and they were coming to GT3 this year. They even were so certain about it, they borrowed a car brand new car from Audi and parked outside the SRO hospitality building, uh, hospitality motorhome for the entire Donington Park weekend. Since then, they've bought that brand new car, which had gone back to Germany, by the way. 
so they've bought that brand new car, which is the new for 2020 R8 LMS Evo spec. So it's the upgraded car. And that's something to point out about the GT4 car as well. There's an upgrade kit on that. And from what I understand, they are upgrading the car they ran last year. So that will be the new spec as well. Um, the car has arrived in the country now. And when I say it's the worst kept secret in motorsport, the team broke their own embargo yesterday when they couldn't wait anymore. So they posted pictures of the car on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? If I had a brand new Audi R8, I'd want to show off photos of it as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we are 99.999% certain that TBA, 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 TBA means stellar performance, probably number 39 or something like that because their other car was 29 and Audi R8 LMS Evo. But we don't know for 100% certain and we do not know where the drivers are going to be. We're pretty certain that two of the four drivers will be Richard Williams and Senan Fielding, who raced for the team last year. But we don't know which car they're going to be in, or even if they're racing together. It's mm. it's to be announced, says it on the tin. Yep, and I'm sure we'll come back and check and see whether you were right later. <laughs> oh, please don't. <laughs> so the other thing to note, uh, we've got no Century Motorsport in GT3 this year. No, from what I understand from, from the internet, from social media... Um, one of the drivers who did race in the number in the number three car last year, J.M. Lippmann, has said that those two cars are actually up for sale. So, I mean, I haven't seen it, but they appear to be ending their GT3 effort. Mm. Um, they are in GT4, and they race those GT4 cars all over the world. One of the reasons they weren't at Media Day is because one of the cars that raced at the 24 hours of Dubai in January was in a shipping container at Felixstowe. It was delivered on the back of a lorry this morning I saw on social media. <laughs> so they that they couldn't take both cars to media day because one of them hadn't got back from Dubai yet. It's and a that, fair excuse. <laughs> and that's going to need some serious drying out. Anybody that saw the 24 hours of Dubai will know that that car pretty much swam into the shipping container. It was a bit wet. <laughs> It, 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 it was indeed but the the gt3 cars not for this year unfortunately but do we feel shortchanged we've lost two bmws but we've gained four additional yeah. entries so net we're up six yeah and touching on the weather um the weather has cost us another casualty um that i'm sure will be sadly missed and i know you drew my attention to it as it happened which is the loss of scary tree it is indeed Scary Tree, the most famous topiary in motorsport. Uh, now, anybody that, that follows British touring cars or British GT and looks at the photos that me and my, my, my colleagues in the media centre churn out, I mean, I don't know how many gigabytes of photos get sent to the internet from that media room. But every photographer at some point during a weekend, if they've got the entire weekend to shoot, will head down to what is now called the Wilson Hairpin, and catch a photo of a car passing scary tree. The the tree is so famous, it was even built into the game Project Cars 2. And if you're really not sure what it looks like, I'm sure we can stick a picture up on our Twitter feed. We, 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 we definitely will do. I've got photos of scary tree. Um, now, unfortunately, Storm Dennis 
everybody will know Storm Dennis. He he did a bit of damage in the UK and trees came down and there was flooding. And it generally wasn't a pleasant time for the United Kingdom. Uh, It definitely wasn't a pleasant time for Scary Tree because it is now just called Tree. His arms have fallen off. It's very sad. (sighs) It is indeed. Poor Tree. Although we understand there are plans afoot to use either paint or Photoshop to put the arms back on. As an aside, there have been some brilliant Photoshops so far. I think the best one is the one that someone's done in MS Paint. (laughs) They have indeed, and not only have they put the arms back on, but they've also given it a mouth and eyes. (laughs) I had a good chuckle at that. Um, So moving on, obviously, Scary Tree's based at Snetterton. Uh, Moving on to the race calendar for this year. Uh, We're kicking off Easter weekend as usual. We are indeed. Easter weekend is our traditional season opener, and because of the licensing at the circuit, we have our traditional Monday, uh, sorry, Saturday qualifying Monday race. Um, this is the Alton Park double header where we have two one hour races on the Monday, the first two rounds of the of the championship. After that, we go to Snetterton and that is in the middle of May, where again we'll have two rounds on the 300 circuit. So the longest, the three mile circuit at, at Snetterton. Mm-hmm. After that, that's what I call the sprint season done with. So we've had four rounds. We've issued, well, it'll be 100 points by then uh, to to, to various winners. Uh, We move into the endurance season where where the the prizes really begin to mount, as the Americans would say. Um, Because for the longer races, we get points and a half. So 37 and a half points available for a win. The first endurance race is the big one of the year. It is the Silverstone 500, the Blue Riband event. And this is the one where we expect to see more of the single round entries that will turn up for a single round. I mentioned we had Generation uh, AMR Super Racing last year. Uh, we also had the the, the, the near fluid McLaren turn up for the first time last year for that race meeting. Because everybody wants to go on the Grand Prix circuit. If you've got a car that fits and you've got the budget, why wouldn't you come out and play at the home of British Motorsport? That's a three-hour race. After that, we get into the two-hour race segment of the uh, of the championship, which starts in the tail end of June at Donington Park on the Grand Prix circuit. So that's a circuit where Ayrton Senna still holds the lap record, where you, you go down to the, to the Melbourne hairpin and then come back up to... The final hairpin, which brings you back onto the pit lane. Two hours on that that circuit. And then we go for our summer holiday. And by summer holiday, I don't mean we have a month off. Uh, on the 18th and 19th of July, we're off to Belgium to the circuit to Spa-Francorchamps as part of SRO Speed Week. They basically have two weekends, British GT races on the first weekend. And then the weekend after is a 24 hours of Spa. So it's an absolute festival of GT3 machinery with British GT bringing along some GT4s as well. Then we're into the final leg of the championship. We've got two more rounds to go. Brands Hatch on the Grand Prix circuit only gets used a few times a year. It's going to be slippy around the back at the start, but it's always a fantastic race. And then the annual Donington Decider, which is the final round of the championship. So far, we've been lucky in that for as long as we've been calling it a Donington Decider, there has still been championships to be decided at it. Um, it's always a risk when you call something decided this mm. early in the season that everything's going to be won by the end of Brown's Hatch. But it's the one thing about the calendar that it annoys me slightly in that 
we go to one circuit twice. And the reason we do that is that a couple of years ago, we did go to Rockingham Motor Speedway. Yeah. Unfortunately, that got shut down at the end of 2018 and turned into a car park. Um, they're, they're using that as an automotive distribution hub now. So, obviously, we can't go racing there because avoiding Vauxhall courses on the racing line going to make for some interesting action. So, the British GT way of dealing with that was to go to Donington Park twice. Now, my thoughts on that one were, okay, we'll have a three-hour race at Donington Park for one of them, or we'll have a race into the night, or we'll use one of the two different layouts there. Mm. Unfortunately, no, we have two two-hour races at Donington Park, starting at approximately the same time of day, not running into darkness, and on the same layout. But we do have the added drama of it being the final round of the championship with the big, pot, big, big pots awarded at the end of the uh, at the end of the meeting. Mm. So we've got about five weeks until kickoff now. So can we expect um, much more? We've obviously got some news to come in terms of the TBAs. What else can we expect between now and race one? Well, really, it's going to be, as I say, the confirmation of of driver lineups uh, that that are yet to be filled. The 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 one blank on the cars. We'll see some testing, but it goes quiet now. As, as the teams build up, because everybody's keeping their powder dry. The one thing which will be pretty much covered to, to death is in a week or so's time, and that is the annual BOP test. Uh, now, anybody that doesn't know what BOP is, um, congratulations, because anybody that does know what BOP is, their eyes are rolling already. It's called balance of performance, and it's where, I mean, you look at the cars we've got, we've got big, big Bentley, playing against nice, sleek McLaren, and we've mm. got front-engined Aston Martin scrapping with mid-engined Lamborghini. This doesn't all become close racing just by telling the manufacturers to build a car to a set of rules and we'll all go racing. Yeah. The way that they achieve close racing is by balance of performance. So they'll take all the cars out to a circuit or a example from each manufacturer. So we won't see both 2 C's motorsport cars there and the Balf car, and the Optimum car. In fact, we may not even see any of those there, because what we will, what we might see is we might see one of the Jensen Button racing McLarens that are racing in the European series. It's a mm. GT3 car. It's built to exactly the same specification as our GT3 cars. So an example of the McLaren will go to this test where all the cars are run on the same circuit on the same day, and they get a bench line of what the cars can do. A baseline, even. Benchmark or baseline, I'll pick my words. Um, but they get this this baseline of what the cars can do, and then they figure out, right, so if we take a little bit of turbo boost away from that car, or if we put a little bit of weight in that car, that will bring them so they all come to where they should be all competitive all the time. You'll, you'll still get advantages for some cars on some circuits. Uh, for example, Alton Park and Snetterton, they favour a mid-engine car because mm. the the balance you need around some of the corners and over some of the bumps. Whereas Silverstone and Spa, they favour the big brute V8s because of the long straights. And they've always been very kind to, to a front-engine big banger V8 like the Mercedes or the Aston Martin. We, we still will have variety and not everything will be known when we get to Alton Park. And we'll certainly look at kind of what we can expect from each track 
and each race individually in future episodes. Uh, we are coming up to a close now. So last kind of question I've got for you today, Nick. Uh, do you have any predictions or final thoughts as to what, who's going to be the ones to watch for this season? Oh, I really don't like you at times. Sarah. <laughs> um, you did say I, put you on the spot. <laughs> I, I, I did indeed. I, I, I have to say that, again, you, you don't rule out TF Sport. Of the two cars, I'd be more... If I had to put money on one now, it would be the number seven. If I had to put money on one of those two. Um, Barwell Motorsport, we now know the lineup for the 78 car. That is Sandy Mitchell, who has raced in GT3 before and in, in GT4 in British GT. He knows the series. Um, so he should be pretty quick. We've got somebody that's never raced in, in British GT before. I don't believe he's done any GT4, let alone GT3. But he is Rob Collard, the long-serving British touring car racer. He is stepping out of British touring cars and into British GT. And whenever a driver has done that before, they've always gone pretty well. You look at Tom Onslow Cole that stepped out of British touring cars about six or seven years ago, who is now one of the go-to GT3 racers. Um, so that car is going to be pretty strong. And Adam Ballon and Phil Keane, they're going to have their hands full in, the, in their own team, let alone fighting against, against the rest. The two Bentleys, you're crazy to discount them, but I probably would discount them because the drivers, that they're just stepping up from GT4. So the other one that I would say, if you're going to put money on it, put money on it, would be the Ram Racing, the number 69, Sam Dehan and, and, and Patrick Kuala. Kuala, pronounce it for me, I keep getting it wrong. Um, because that, that, car, that car would be pretty swift, I think. Okie dokie. So, um, would it be GT4 or? Go for it. Go on. I'll just put myself on the spot. You did. I? You let yourself, you opened the door for that one so you can walk through it. You know what? <laughs> I am going to go against the received wisdom. And I'm going to say that the number 95 car, the Aston Martin, is my pick for this year because TF Sport, they always seem to pull it out the bag. Mm. If it isn't that car, then I would say potentially the number 20, Graham Johnson, Michael O'Brien. Balanced it. They know each other. They've, they've raced before. Graham Johnson is a very gifted amateur who knows the car like the back of his hand. It looks amazing. It's brighter than the Ram racing cars. They've, 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 they've just gone nuts with a set of highlighters on this thing. It is beautiful. Um, but liveries don't win races. Drivers win races, and that's a pretty good driver lineup in that car as well. Mm. So we are out of time for today. We will be looking um, a bit more towards kind of what you got up to at Media Day and future races in episodes coming on. Um, if you do got any comments or things that you want to see, do hit us up on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is BritGTPodcast. But for now, we'll say goodbye and we look forward to having you tuned in again next time. Podcast is a Storm Vixen creative and RPS driven media production for motorsport.radio. You can find us on Twitter at BritGT Podcast.